Yo, yo, yo. It is back today with another podcast episode. I am super excited to be back. In today's episode, we will be doing something a bit different. Something that I haven't done in ever, actually. And I'm going to do a book breakdown slash review slash whatever you call it. So, yeah. And today's book of choice is the first book I bought in Australia. And if you guys didn't know, I was on holiday for like two weeks. So, the first book... I'm going to review is The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, which is a book by Mark Manson, apparently a really good blogger, famous blogger. And I'm not going to lie, this book is amazing. But before we get into the reviews, let's do first the breakdowns, the key main points, the thing that I got, the thing that I think could bring value, the main points, so that you guys can... In the end, after I review the book and break it down, you guys can choose for yourself either to buy the book, maybe it's not for you, all these other things. But overall, I really think it's a book. It's a good book. And let's get started with the breakdown. The first point, by the way, this is my first time doing this. So please, you know, give me some criticism or something so I can improve later on. Uh, The first thing... The first points that is made in the book, the first title is actually Don't Try. Quite quite a weird chapter t- title, especially for something could, that could be considered in the success or business industry. Don't try. That's the first chapter. Don't try. And what that first chapter really emphasizes about is that life is always about problems. So don't try to have a perfect life. Don't keep trying and struggling to have that, you know, that car or that watch or have that perfect life. Be ultimately happy because each and every time we go, everything we do will create problems. And th- this might sound like what? No, I mean, like there's some. This sound. This might some sound weird to most of you. But here's my point. For example, if you want to get fit, if you want to get fit and then you'll be like, if I get fit, then I become happy. So you go enroll in a gym. When you enroll in a gym, you have another problem occur. You have to eat a healthy diet and eat whatever. And then after you're done eating a healthy diet and you're done exercising every single day, when you get a fit body and you're fit, you still have to maintain that and that is your problem. Your problem is that the struggle is that you still have to maintain that fit body. So everything we do has a consequence and it has a struggle behind it. For example, another thing is that if we want to date someone, we want to have a relationship with someone, we have to put in the effort and struggles to date somebody. The first problem might be, I feel lonely. And I want to find someone who I can be with. And you go there, you be with someone. And then after that, other struggles occur. You know, you you already know your parents and you might see in your parents both argue. I don't know, you might come from maybe uh, not the best family out there. So there are problems that occur. 
so the point that I'm trying to make and the point that the first chapter of this book was trying to make is be the problems always occur. There are always struggles. There are always problems. There's always things that we don't want to do in life or perceive don't want to do. And I'll get back to that later. So what the book is trying to say is that the journey is a destination. Happiness comes from trying to solve these problems. Happiness comes from trying to solve these problems. Not the result that the problems, that solving the problems give you. Not the result, hear that, not the result, but rather the problem itself. The attempt, the constant struggle to try to solve a problem is what leads to happiness. When you enjoy your struggle, when you enjoy the work, that's called passion. That is when you get ultimately happy. Now, some of you might not make, like, oh, I, that doesn't make sense. Like, here, let me explain. Basketball players don't like the trophy. Basketball players don't, let me rephrase that. Basketball players don't need the trophy. The trophy is not the ultimate goal for basketball players. You don't go playing basketball saying that you want to win the NBA championship. You don't pick up the basketball and say that I want to be the MVP next year or in 10 years or in 20 years. First time you play basketball is because you enjoy playing the game of basketball. And that is what we consider the struggle. We enjoy the struggle. We You have to find the struggle that you enjoy, the work that you enjoy. The process of trying to solve problems is something that should be enjoyed. So again, when playing basketball, back to the basketball analogy, you play basketball, you have fun, and then someone else comes better than you in the NBA. Then you have then that's where the enjoyment comes from. You enjoy practicing basketball so that you can beat that other player and be the best player in the league. So that is the struggle they should enjoy. Entrepreneurs, this is what I see from a lot of successful entrepreneurs, from my dad also, we they don't like the money. Like it's not like they hate the money. It's not that they they you know they completely hate it. I mean if you wanna enjoy first class, you know, in a plane, why don't you, right? If you want to drive a cool car, why don't you? But the money isn't the ultimate return on investment. The money isn't the ultimate goal. What entrepreneurs really like is that they like the risk. They like the work. They like the risk involved. They like the process of trying to make money. And that's what this book is trying to tell you about trying to make the struggle your happiness. So I hope that's, I think, a very key point in the book. And I'm going to go to another key point, which is the next chapter something short which is that emotions are unreliable and shouldn't be trusted as they are merely biological nudges if something is biologically wrong something you want or feel might be different tomorrow so what do i mean by that so this book touched a little bit on emotions and these emotions of fear depression 
or you know different types of emotions you feel and emotions this book says that emotions are merely biological nudges so we shouldn't trust emotions as much and should rather come to our own logical conclusions because something you want today might be different tomorrow because they aren't they aren't set in stone they're merely biological triggers at the moment the next thing is that this might sound depressing from something almost like a success book but this book really emphasizes on the fact that none of us are extraordinary and that that might be a bad thing and you're like oh my god this book is trying to make people depressed but if you think about it none of us are actually extraordinary there are 7.7 billion people in the world and i doubt any of you any of you listening to this or even me myself i don't consider myself extraordinary but here's the thing that is a good thing that is a good thing we are not extraordinary but recognizing the fact that we are not extraordinary extraordinary but rather mediocre is what can lead us to being truly extraordinary what i'm talking about is that people who are truly extraordinary first realize that they are mediocre that they are not special and so they are very hungry to learn they are not entitled they first they don't think that they are better than everyone else which if you know some my generation and maybe millennials we are known for being quite entitled to being extraordinary maybe because of instagram and social media which has put things on a pedestal so that we we ourselves need to live extraordinary lives when what is put on social media is actually only the good good times when you see that award in social media you don't see the 20 other failed attempts when trying to get that award so that's the point that i'm trying to make here and the next the next thing is that everyone else has been through your problems everyone else has been through your problems everyone else has been through problems and your problem isn't special if you think you are the the person who is suffering the most try talk to the other 1 billion people who are having even worse problems than you your problems aren't special and that's something that is emphasized on this book is that we are are not extraordinary extraordinary and our problems aren't special and something that i want to add on to the fact that our problems isn't special is that therefore we have no reasons to complain because everyone else has been through the same problem and we are not supposed to feel special and and that we aren't the only people who have these problems so we shouldn't feel sorry for ourselves because other people has been through it and has been through it worse and has come off better than what then sorry let me rephrase it and has become better and better over time even with worse problems than you are experiencing right now uh the next important point is that this is one of the most important points in the book and something that i highly 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 
emphasize on, and this is a huge realization when I first read the book, which is that what is your metric of success? <clears throat> what is your metric of success? This is very important to me. And when I first read this book, I was like, oh my God, what is my metric of success? In this book, there was a story of... Um, in this book, there was a story of a boy band. A boy band, and this boy band went off to went on to be quite successful. They were on track to be successful. But then, one of their members was kind of disliked. So this member quit. They, he was basically kicked out of the band. And, you know, this member, normal human nature, he hated the boy band. He, he really, really hated it, hated them. And he said to himself that I am going to be one of the best boy bands in the world. And they would laugh and they would, I mean, they would cry on my knees. So he basically wanted to take revenge on the boy band, which kicked him out. And long story short, he founded a very successful boy band and i think in the book it says that he sold about 7.5 million copies of his songs and super successful the boy band name was megadeth uh very very successful rock kind of band but the boy band that he was kicked out from turns out to be metallica so, and, you know, Megadeth, he was super successful. The person who founded Megadeth, the boy band, is super successful. But he never felt successful. He said that he was depressed. He was unhappy. Why? Because his metric of success is relative. Is relative to that of Metallica's. The, the group Metallica, who has gone on to be very very successful even though he himself by the metrics of us of you listening or watching he became extremely successful but he never felt successful or fulfilled or happy because he always compared himself and he always compared himself to the band metallica so my question is to you listening what is your metric of success how do you define success what is the metric you hold on to? You know, some people, if your metric is regarded as, I mean, if your metric is based on other people's opinions or other people's work, so relative to someone else, you will never feel happy or fulfilled. So choose your metrics carefully. Is it success? Is it riches? Is it relative to someone else? Is it a good relationship? Is it impact? Happiness? Choose the right one because that will determine how happy or how fulfilled you really are. The next point is that Constant positivity is a form of avoidance, not a solution. So you ever ever met those people who are 
extremely positive and every time they they always see the bright side of things never that realistic well in this book the author says that they it is a form of avoidance and not sol- a solution so next point is that with this this point i also love which is we've all heard the saying that with great power came comes great responsibility but the opposite is also true with great responsibility comes great power sometimes if you follow uh, Gary Vaynerchuk someone who has influenced me a lot he always says that accountability follows happiness <clears throat> and happiness follows accountability so what i mean by accountability is that you are in control and responsible for your own life if you feel like the government is controlling you facebook is controlling you your mom is controlling you your family is holding you back you will never become happy because you feel like it is out of your control but once you feel responsible once you feel responsible for your own well-being for your own life that is when happiness really strikes that is when you can truly become happy and now here's the thing some some of you might say but it's not our fault you know it's not our fault that the government's bad or this person messed me up or my mother you know beat me up when i was little yep that's true that is 100% true it is not your fault but here's the thing it's not your fault but it is your responsibility you are responsible for your own well-being if someone leaves a child in the front of your door you are directly responsible for the child in front of your door in front of your house is it your fault that the child ended up there no but it is your responsibility do you want to leave the child out there or do you want to take care of it right it is not your fault that your mother beat you up when you were little and hardwired you with some with negative thoughts but it is your responsibility to take care of your own well-being and your own happiness and continuously trying to improve yourself and grow out of that those negative thoughts into a positive and happy person not your fault but your responsibility and i really love this point because it is very true with great responsibility comes great power over your own life and over the lives of others so control what you can control and realize that you are responsible for your own happiness and fulfillment and not anyone else next one is that question our values and uncertainty as we constantly evolve so what this what the point is is that we constantly question our values every time we evolve try look at yourself for the last try reflect to 5 years ago who you were 5 years ago I, i'm i'm pretty sure you were like yeah i would i would be ashamed or at least for me i was ashamed of the person i was 5 years ago and when 5 years ago if i was to told so i'm 16 now if i was to tell my 11 year old self to reflect back on someone who was 5 years ago so 6 year old me that 11 year old me will also say that 
he is ashamed of six-year-old me. So we are constantly evolving. We are constantly questioning, changing our values. And we constantly evolve. You know, same way how people initially thought that the, the sun revolved around Earth. You know, we have now evolved and now we have found out that actually Earth revolves around the sun. So our very experiences that make us happy now can be made negative when we feel angry or negative. So what I'm trying to get to the point here is that I know that that makes a little sense. But what I'm trying to really get on is that our experiences now will change. So how we view ourselves now. So if you're happy with someone, if something bad happens, those happy moments suddenly become bad moments. I'll give you an example. If if you were in a relationship with someone or maybe with your father or mother, you know, you have a good time, whatever, you're great relationship and then something bad happens. You know, your mother, let's say, get angry at you or your father gets angry at you, kicks you out of the house. All the activities prior to what you've done with your parents, with whoever you're with, instantly becomes negative. You'll think of them as in a negative light. Previous to it, the same act, the same action was seen positive, you know. You had fun, you know, your father took you, I don't know, to Disneyland or whatever. And then suddenly when your father got mad at you, you suddenly say, oh, you remember that time you when you took me to Disneyland? You didn't care that, you know, we didn't get all the rides or we didn't get the VIP pass or whatever. You, you didn't care enough. So we instantly remember the negative light, even though prior to him getting angry at us, it was all positive. So the point that I'm trying to get here is that never be too certain. Never be too certain on yourselves and always, never be, never know yourself, quote-unquote, because things will always change. So always be, basically always be open to possibilities that can might change your identity and therefore don't cement your identity and know yourself because the more something threatens your identity the more something threatens who you are as a person who you perceive you are the more you will avoid it let me repeat that again the more something threatens your identity the more you will avoid it this is unbelievably important and there's actually an example in this book which is uh which tells the story of some of someone's sister getting married and the brother of that sister is kind of jealous that he himself hasn't gotten married and so he to her spouse or fiance he was like he tells her sister, oh, this is a wrong choice. This is blah, blah, blah. You know, you're making a wrong decision. When in fact, 
those actions stem from jealousy. And, you know, think, imagine if we tell that person, oh, you're just jealous. He will instantly, you know, get mad. He will get angry. He'll like, what? You don't know what you're talking about. And that is what I mean by something, the more something threatens our identity, the more we will avoid it. If your identity is that you are a good person or you like to help everyone, it'll be hard for you to say no because your identity in your mind is that I am a good person, right? So that's the psychology behind having an identity and you know, therefore not cementing yourself and not truly knowing yourself is actually important. Having self-awareness is also important, but never cement, you set and stone your own identity is the point. And there are some questions written in this book which has been super helpful, which is that the first question is, something threatens your identity, say that, is it possible that I'm wrong? Is it possible that I am wrong? That's the question. First question. Second question is that, if I am wrong, what would it mean? What would it mean if I am wrong? And the third question is that, which causes a bigger problem, being right or being wrong? Yeah. And this goes a long way. Again, to the example of the the brother's marriage, the brother can easily, you know, continue being jealous and, you know, being very rude to, to her, his sister. But the question is, he has to ask himself, is it possible that I am wrong? Is it possible that the fiancé is actually a good person and that I am actually being jealous? And the next question is that, if I am wrong, what would it mean? Does it mean that I am actually jealous? Does it mean that I am insecure of my own self? What does it mean? And the third question is that, which causes a bigger problem? Being right or being wrong? Is it worth sacrificing the years and years of relationship that the brother has built with the sister just to win a simple argument? Not even win, just to have an argument. Or is it better to realize that he is he could be wrong and to accept and say sorry? So, you know, these this these in this book it sounds really simple, but it's actually super hard. But I really think it's very, very important for us to constantly question our our identity and our values. Next thing is that <coughs> Oh, sorry guys. The next thing is that the more something, eh, the next thing is that fail forward, which is in the, I think the seventh, the seventh chapter of the book, which is fail forward, start doing something. You know, this is, this is a very simple chapter, but this author dedicated an entire chapter to this concept, which really just underlines how important the concept is, which is start doing something you know there's a saying that if someone if someone says that they don't want to do anything because they they have they don't have the motivation to do something it's like saying to it's like a hungry person saying that they don't want to eat because they're too hungry it it doesn't make sense you have to start doing something to get the motivation 
you can't be too hungry to eat. To not be hungry, you have to get out of your chair and eat, even though you're extremely hungry. So even though you're not motivated, you have to start doing something. Some people act like this. Some people think the loop is first you get motivation, then you get an inspiration, then you act. Well, that's not actually the loop. The loop is first you have to act first, then you get inspired, and then you get motivated. So that is the actual loop of of this uh, of this fail forward chapter. And the beauty of it is that it keeps on repeating itself. Action, inspiration, motivation. And the more motivated you are, the more action you will do. The more action you will do, the more inspired you will be. And the more inspired you will be, the more motivation you have. And then it keeps looping and looping and looping. So infinitely more more motivation. But the first thing is that action. Take action is the first thing. <clears throat> the next thing is that and the book also goes actually the book also goes to the relationship parts of it where it's like your relationship with your wife or with your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever it goes to that part also and you know it says that some relationships are unhealthy that if you rely on that person like you know because in this current day and age people uh i idolize these like relationships where it's like you know do or die kind of like romeo and juliet relationships where it's like if i die for you then you'll die for me whatever relationship and this book basically says that it is unhealthy to do those things the next thing is that be committed to one thing always be committed to one thing because then you don't fear missing out on anything because that one thing is already making you happy like so many people are dealing with the 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 fear of missing out literally they have an acronym called fear of missing out fmo like and that fear literally drives so many people and there's actually i think this study which is like if you have too many options, you become unhappy compared to only having two or three options because then you are 100% sure of what you choose rather than having too many options. Because once you have too many options, it comes into the game of like, would should I actually do this or that? And once you take the decision and you're like, damn, I should have done that. I should have done this. I should have done that. So once we are committed to one thing, then that's where... Uh, we can start being happy because there is no fear of missing out according to this book. And next thing is that this one's the last point and something which is quite interesting to me, which I don't fully agree on, but I'm going to share with you guys anyway, which is a concept of having two selves, one physical and one conceptual. So as humans, we consciously or subconsciously fear death, death, dying. And so we try to immortalize ourselves. You know, they say that you die twice. One when it's your last breath and one when someone last says your name. So, you know, something like uh, immortalizing ourselves is something like Albert Einstein, Mahatma Gandhi, you know, all these great names. And we remember them because they have successfully immortalized themselves. 
So we try to live on our conceptual selves, which is, you know, the names that we want, the legacy that we want to get passed on. And this is a problem because we then choose our values by how we will be remembered and the insecurity show up and anxiety and depression because when it seems impossible that our conceptual self will not live longer, I mean, when it seems possible that our conceptual self will not live longer than our physical self, we become depressed and anxious because we continuously want our conceptual self to to live on longer. And the theory says, or by this book, which is that by accepting that death is inevitable, we can more freely choose our values, metrics, and when what we actually want to be remembered by, our legacy, by our own metrics, which is happiness or, you know, successfulness or impact rather than being rich and living a legacy of, you know, this guy is the richest man in town. So we are more freely able to choose our metrics, which, as previously discussed, leads to ultimate happiness. So uh, before I end this podcast, I'd like to give this book a review. And uh, I actually think this book is amazing. And for me personally, I think I'll give this book an eight eight point five out of ten, even a maybe a nine out of ten. I really love the style of this book. It's super conversational style. There is profanity involved in the book, so if you're uncomfortable with that, but that might be a problem. But I really do recommend people uh reading this book. This it isn't a success book, I will say. It's more of a mindfulness, happiness kind of well being book. Regardless of the title, you know the cho- the choice of the the choice of title, the subtle art of not giving a fuck, uh, not not really like a mindfulness or well being book, but I think this book can really impact your lives and everyone else's lives. So I'm gonna leave le- leave God my words. I'm gonna leave uh I'm gonna leave a link in the description for an Amazon link for those of you listening to US. I know my listeners are mostly US, albeit uh, not by a big percentage. Uh, I'll leave an Amazon link in the description for you to order this book. I think it's only $15 for a hardcover copy on Amazon in the US. So that'll be interesting. And if this episode brings you any value, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode a book breakdown i'm still really rusty with all this book book breakdown stuff and it'll be a lot more structured than this uh in the next future episodes but this is just a rough outline on how i want to do it so book breakdown then book review and there'll be metrics and all that good stuff so if this podcast brought you any value at all i appreciate you sharing this podcast episode with your friends, family, whatever, someone who can also extract value from this book and maybe even, you know, buy buy the book for yourselves. It's ultimately I just want everyone of you listening to be happy and, you know, just find fulfillment in your lives. So thank you guys for listening to this episode and see you guys in the next episode.